continuing to do to let you live, amen, and to be here. And we praise God. I thank God for my mother. Amen. Sister Brenda Christman is here. Amen. I thank God for her. Amen. And I pray and I appreciate her on this morning. And to each and every one of you, I thank God for you and for my wife, the mother of my children. Amen. I praise God for her. Amen. Thank God for for you all. Amen. A couple of special amen mothers and other mothers in my life. Uh, Sister Nancy Holman and and Mother Linda Johnson. Amen. That was my class number nine and class number eight teachers. <laughs> amen. amen. My Sunday school teachers. Amen. I appreciate and praise God for them on this morning. I'm excited about the word of God we have on this morning, so I'm going to get to it very quickly. Amen. If you'll follow us, we've been sharing this scripture for this month, and we thought it appropriate to share on today as we have a special message relative to our mothers and also to seed. We've been talking about seed time and harvest all this month. Amen. And we're going to tie that in with our, the mothers on this message this morning. We're going to Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Again, that's Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. And we want to share a special Mother's Day message where we're going to talk about, we're going to, we're going to talk about planet to disturb. Planted to disturb. That means you're going to point at your neighbor and say, you're going to shake up something. You, you were born, you were planted to disturb and to shake up something. And God has, God has planted some movers and shakers in this sanctuary. Amen. Point at somebody else and say, you're going to shake up something. Amen. And we're going to shake up something on this morning. God has planted us for a purpose. And uh, we're going to shake up something on this morning. Amen. If you'll, if you'll go with us to the word of the Lord. We're going to Psalm 126. We're going to be looking at verses 4, 5, and 6, actually. Looking at verses 5 and 6. And the word said, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And the, and the word of the Lord is blessed on this morning. Well, let me pray, Lord, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Allow us to be receptive to what you have to say to us in these next few destiny moments. Lord, allow your word to push us towards promise, to push us along and make clear the path of destiny that you've set for each and every one of us that we might be the servant that you're calling for in these days. Lord, most of all, from this moment, do not allow us to leave unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah, we're going to talk about you were planted to disturb. You're going to shake up something. Somebody who's watching virtually, hashtag that. You're going to shake up something. Now, notice what it says here in our text. It states that those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. They're weeping and they're crying, but yet they have a seed. Yes, they're in mourning at this moment, but yet they have the seed, and the seed always represents potential. It has potential. And I want to tell somebody this morning, no matter what you have already achieved, you still have potential. 
No matter how young you are, you have potential. No matter how old you are, you have potential. Even after you've succeeded on the highest level, as long as you are alive, you have potential. Because that's what the word says. It says, to he that is attached to all the living things, there is hope. That means you yet have hope. You yet have potential. You yet have purpose. And no matter how much you've accomplished, you yet have potential. So even this sower who is weeping, this sower who is going out in tears, yet has the potential in his hand because he is carrying the seed. And just like our mothers, you know, sometimes you, sometimes when you bring in forth a child, there may be a little pain and a little crying as they're coming forth. I thought I had a few mothers who say amen right there. But the crying doesn't necessarily stop there. Sometimes you cry after they come forth. Come on, let's get real in here this morning. Your children will make you cry. <laughs> And even though they have potential and you have carried the seed, sometimes you are yet in a state of weeping. They will make you cry. But I want you to understand that the scripture doesn't stop there. It gives you hope because it says you may go in sowing in tears, but you shall come forth in shouts of joy. Point at somebody and say, you're going to come forth. So we, 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 we taught earlier in our series that our seed, and you know I don't have much time here, I'm going, I'm going to get you out of here on Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, we have a seed, but what does the seed need? Well, the seed needs to be planted. And, and in planting, the mother's touch has an important part in planting. In fact, in planting, two of the things that a mother should do in setting the environment for that child is to help to instill in that child the importance of options and value. Options and value. What every mother and every parent desires to do is to make sure that your child has more options than you have. I wish I had some witnesses in here. You want to teach them that they're going to have more options than you had. That there are some things that, that I went through that, baby, you're not going to have to go through because you're going to have more options than I had. It's like the story of the, of the, of the child who was, uh, of, the, of the granddaughter who was cooking the turkey and then she cut off half of the turkey. And then somebody asked her, why did you cut off half the turkey before you put it in the oven? And she said, no, I don't know, ask my mama. And then the mama, they asked the mama and the mama said, why do you cut off the back of the turkey before you put it in the oven? She said, I don't know. She said, ask my mama. And then she asked the grandmother and the grandmother says, well, baby, my oven and my pan was so small that I had to cut off part of the turkey to put it in the oven. But let me tell you something, baby, you have more options than I had. You don't have to do things the way I did them because I'm teaching you and I have worked hard for you to have more options. I wish I had some help in here than I had. I worked hard on my job to make sure you had more education options than I had. I worked hard all of my life to make sure you had more job opportunities than I had. I worked my fingers to the bone to make sure that you had cars and and transportation and way to get around even as a young adult, I worked hard so you would have more options. And I thank God for more options because I had more options than my mother and, 
and, and, and she had more options than her mother, and, and she had, and, her, and, my, and my grandmother had more options than my great-grandmother. What mothers teach us is about providing more options for our children. And that's why we, we can't be, we shouldn't be jealous of our children when they have more options than we have. Because you worked hard for that. Oh, yeah. We, you, you worked hard to make them not worry about where their next meal is coming from. You worked hard to make sure they weren't worried about where they were going to sleep at night. You, you worked hard for them to take for granted some of the things that you had to do, work all your life to get. You teach them to appreciate it, but don't get mad because they had more options because you worked for that. Oh, somebody pointed at a mother and said, you worked for that. You worked so they would have more options than you had. The other thing that I need, our mothers need to do is not only teach us about having more options, they also help, and part of having more options is helping us to appreciate our value. Oh, it's so important as parents. I, I, I can't tell you the importance enough. It, right, right under making sure they know that it's important that they have a relationship with God is you need to teach them their value. Children they, that, you, that, you, that you have under your care, they need to understand that they have value. You need to teach them to value themselves. Because if you teach, I, I, I bring it back to this, you, you teach them to value themselves like a Louis Vuitton or, or like a Bentley. Because I'll tell you this right now, you're not going to go to a Bentley sales place and convince them to come down off the price. No, no, they, you, you're not going to convince them. You might, you might go to the Chevrolet place and convince them to come down. You might, you might go to the Toyota place and convince them to come down. But don't go to the Bentley dealership and expect them to come down off of their price because they know the value of their product. I can tell you right, one thing that none of you have right now in your possession, and I don't care how good you are at saving money, and my mom was pretty good at saving money, and so is my mother-in-law, shout out to missionary Calla Fisher, but I can tell you none of you all have a Louis Vuitton coupon. You don't have one. You don't have one because they don't make them, and they don't make them because they don't discount their products because they know the value of their products and they'd rather it sit on the shelf than to put it on sale. And if I don't preach anything else, I preach right there in that statement. Baby, it's better to sit on the shelf than to sell yourself to somebody who doesn't appreciate, I wish I had help here, who doesn't appreciate your, your value. Uh, let me tell you something. I had a job experience when I was in Memphis, and I, I, I finished school, and I was applying to different places, and I went to this place, and I was putting in my, my application, and I knew that necessarily it didn't meet up, match up to all of my skills and all of my qualifications, but I'm just trying to get a job to help provide for my family. I went in there, and then she, I was sitting there talking to her, and as I went over my qualifications, she said, let me stop you right there. She let me know. She said, we can't afford you. She said, we can pay somebody a lot less who doesn't have your qualifications. But because you have this degree and that degree, we'd have to pay you more. We would rather pay somebody else less that we can afford. 
Oh, that, 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 was, a, that, was, an, that was an important uh, understanding. That was an important experience for me. Because sometimes you are in situations where you are allowing somebody to, per, to perceive you under your own value. Perceive you under your own worth. And some people will try and take advantage of you because they not understand how valuable you are even when you don't. And you know what? That's how they make money off of you. Because they know that they're getting more out of you and you don't even understand your own value. Because the person who knows the person's value can take advantage of the person who doesn't know their own value. I wish I had some help. Have you ever been in a job where you know you were providing more service than they were paying you for? I thought I'd get a few amens right there. You know you're doing this and, you, and you're doing that and you're, you're the best and hardest worker on your job, but you're making the same amount of money as the person next to you who's barely coming in, who's barely doing their job, who's barely doing the work, and their work is not the same quality as yours. They are assessing your value better than you are, and due to that, they're taking advantage of you because you don't know your own value. Point at somebody and say, know what you're worth. You need to know. You need to know what, what you're, you're worth. You need to appreciate and understand what you are worth. Where, wherever you are, on the, on the job site, in a relationship, you need to appreciate what you're worth. And sometimes, this is what happens in a relationship, sometimes they break up because one person began to understand their value. <laughs> Oh, come in here. Let, let me say that again. Sometimes relationships break up because one person begins to appreciate their value. They didn't know how valuable they were before, and all of a sudden, they began to understand their value. They began to understand what they were worth. That's why the, the slave masters didn't want the slaves to begin to read because if you begin to read and you begin to understand, you begin to appreciate your power and your value and your worth. So I didn't want to have a conversation. Don't need you to read. Don't need you to learn to understand. Don't need you conversating with each other because if you even start conversating with others, you might begin to appreciate your value. Oh, let me, let me tell you. I found out recently that, that sometimes the slave masters began to give slaves an edited Bible. They gave them an edited Bible. They gave them a, vow, a Bible that didn't include Exodus because they didn't want them to appreciate that they could come out of this thing. Or oh, they edited some of the books of Paul because they, they didn't want them to know that, that I can do all things through Christ. Uh, that strengthens me. They didn't want them to understand and appreciate their own value and their own worth. And the best way to understand your value is to read the book. Oh, if you really want to find out how valuable and how powerful you are, I need you to read the book. You haven't begun to appreciate or step into or walk into your value until you've read the word of God. Because you start reading the word, you start puffing your chest out a little bit. Oh, I, I am the head and not the tail. I am a child of the king. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Oh, you start puffing your chest out when you read the word because you begin to appreciate I'm more valuable than I even understand. 
that's what happens sometimes in relationships. People begin to appreciate their own value and they begin to say, baby, it's not you, it's me. It's not, it's not you, it's me. And the thing is, you don't appreciate my value. It's not that you don't value me at all. It's just that your valuation is too small. And as of today, I am no longer on sale. Come on, preach to your neighbor. Point at him saying, as of today, I am no longer on sale. I'm not selling myself. I wish, wish I had some real folks in here. Some of y'all are going to go home and begin to think about your job, and you're going to be like, hold on. <laughs> Come on now. I told you, God, you're in a place where God, your mother taught you how to have options. And, and when you prepare yourself to have options, you begin to think about some things and begin to realize, I'm doing a whole lot more at this job than they pay me for. Maybe I need to check around and see if somebody else will pay me for my value. And when you leave, don't cuss them out. Don't cuss them out. Don't cuss them out when you leave. When you leave, just say, I've learned to appreciate my value, and I am no longer on sale. Just say it to them like that. Be real nice about it. Because when you recognize your value, there are situations that you find yourself in that you begin to understand that the people around you, they're not mean. They just don't understand your value. Come on in here with me now. Or, or, or it may be like this. I was with my daughter the other day, and we looked at an item, and it cost up to $500. And I said, ooh, who would pay $500? She said, somebody will, Daddy. She said, you just don't think it's worth it. I was like, okay, preach, Brennan. <laughs> but but, but, but it, it, what I'm saying is that somebody out there and some job out there began to say, well, you're worth more than what they're paying you. I, I can appreciate it because I understand that you're worth it and you need to surround yourself with people who understand that I'm worth it. Oh, that was like a Maybelline commercial. We didn't, what, said I'm worth it. Somebody just say I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth the full valuation of what God has created me to be and you know who taught me that? My mama taught me that. My mama taught me to value myself. My mothers teach children about having options, and they also teach them about maintaining and appreciating their value. Somebody say it with me. Say, I'm not on sale. Mothers also help to water their children. Mothers help to feed their children. The first person who really understands your potential is your mother. They begin to see and understand. I, I can see some things in this child. I'm beginning to understand the potential of this child that I carried in my womb. And now I understand some things about what I went through. Understand what I went through to bring this child forth because God has invested a lot of value in this child. She also, the mothers also set the temperature. They help to create the environment for that child. All the mothers start doing that while you're yet in the womb. They do that while, because they, they're not going to just take their baby anywhere because they're pregnant. Now, some of these older mothers will tell you, I, I got to even watch what I listen to because the baby might hear. Come on, yeah. Come on, yeah. Y'all laughing, but that mother has an instinct to provide the right environment for her child. Oh, y'all in here arguing. I ain't going to be in here with a lot of arguing because I'm carrying this child. 
and I have to set the right environment for this child that I'm carrying with me because as the mother, I'm going to be the first person who exposes this child and creates the environment that they need to grow up in. Because if, if I set the environment right, they can grow up into what they need to be. Not what I want them to be, but what God desires them to be. Because, see, sometimes our, our problem is, and I'm moving right here, I'm turning this corner. Sometimes our problem is we're trying to grow the child to be us. Come on in here now. We're, we're trying to grow the child to be us. Where, where is Justin? Come here, Justin. Start walking while I'm talking. Sometimes we're trying to grow the child to be us, to be a replica of us. God didn't call you to grow that child to be a replica of you. He's growing them to be their own person. I called Justin up here. Now, my, my son, now he's... He switched up on me on today. But he normally, he doesn't always dress like I dress. He has his own sense of style. There used to be a day that he would ask, what, hey, do you, do you like these shoes, Mom? Do you like these shoes, Dad? He don't ask us that anymore. Because he has his own sense of style. He's going to buy what seems suitable to him. And what we need to do as as parents and as mothers, you let that child grow up to what God desires them to be. You're not trying to replicate yourself. You're supposed to nurture the environment so that they can grow into what God wants them to be. Are y'all in here with me? Thank you, Justin. But he, give him a hand. God doesn't want a replica of you. God wants you to set the environment correctly so that they can grow into what God wants them to be. And I told you before in our series, if you set the ground, if you make the ground fertile, if you have the environment right, if you give it enough water and the right temperature and and enough sun and enough light, then you can grow several different things in that same place. And they don't have to be alike. Now, now, Joseph's helping us out this morning, but if I bring Joseph up here, he's, he's his twin brother. They have the same DNA, but they are so different. They're different. They're different, and we're not trying to force them to be the same because God is growing each of them into what he desires them to be. I tell you, Joseph, right now, if I ask him somebody's name, he'll know it before I know it. He'll be like, yeah, that's such and such, and such and such is their mama. And Justin will be like, who? Uh, who, are we, who, are we, who are we talking about? That, that, they just have different personalities. They have, grown, they, they, they have grown into their own person. And we're not trying to force them to be the same, no more than I'm trying to force them to be me because God has grown them into what he desires them to be. And sometimes, I had to say this in duck. Sometimes in church, we've had parents and mothers who lost their children because they were so harsh on their children, and they don't want to come to church anymore. And the reason they don't come to church is not because they don't want to be like God, because they don't want to be like you. They don't have a problem with God. But they see how you act. And they're not trying to be like 
They want to serve God in their own way. They want to express their love for God. And sometimes they'd rather stay at home than to risk coming to church and wind up being like you. We have literally run some of our children away from church by how we have taught them because we were trying to force them to be like us instead of helping to point and teach them to be like God. Be the best expression of themselves with God in their life. Be their best, be their best person they can be as they accept Christ for themselves and don't try to make them or force them to be like you. Let them love Jesus in their own way. Let them love Jesus with their short hair and their long hair. Let them love Jesus in their jeans or in their dresses. Let them love Jesus with their little makeup and, and their, their, they got earrings and they're pierced and you weren't pierced. Let them express their love for Jesus in their own way. And if we do that, they'll come back to church. Because it's not that they don't want to be like Jesus. I don't mean to make it personal. <laughs> they just don't want to be like you. And, and we're going to move on. <laughs> what I tell you, first of all, let me give you an example of this. In Kazakhstan, I don't know where many of you know where Kazakhstan is. But Kazakhstan is the place where apples are native to. Apples are not native to the United States. It's funny we say it's American as apple pie. That's a misnomer because apples are not native to America. <laughs> They're native to Kazakhstan. They grow there because it provides the right amount of heat, light, water, and provides the right temperature. So the seed doesn't have to be from here to grow here. It just needs the right conditions. Let me say that again. Seed does not have to be native. It doesn't have to be from here to grow here. It just has to have the right conditions. So if your son, if your child, mothers, if they're not like your mama or your grandma, that's all right. If, if, they, if they don't act like you did or they don't act like your folks did, that's okay. Because they're growing into what God wants them to be, not because they have to be like you, but because they're in the right conditions. And if you set the right conditions, they can grow even though they're different than you. Maybe God is growing something different. Point at your neighbor and say, maybe God is growing something different. He's trying to grow something different because he understands what they will bring to this world. They might bring something to this world that nobody else can bring. Think of all the innovators and, and, and inventors that, that, that were so different. They thought different. They had, they had an understanding that they could disrupt the thinking of those around them. And they provided something different and something new to this world. The, the inventors of, of penicillin and, and Steve Jobs and, and the Bill Gates and those who provided, who were innovators, who brought something different to the world. If they were like everybody before them, they never would have disturbed the atmosphere. They never would have disturbed that which was normal. But sometimes God is bringing something different and he'll grow it if you provide the right conditions. Provide the right conditions. And sometimes some of you might need to pray about it. Some of you are in a job, but God has built you different. That's how the young people say, I'm built different. God has grown you into something different, but you're in the wrong conditions to grow. Maybe that's why Abram had to leave his people. Because if he stayed where he was, 
he couldn't have grown into something different. He couldn't have grown into what God desired him to be. Maybe that's why Joseph had to be shipped off to Egypt. Because he was different. If he stayed where he was, he couldn't grow into what God wants him to be. It's our job as mothers and the parents to simply provide the right conditions so that they can grow into what God desires them to be. Young people, we see you. We see you. And you might be different. You might think different. You might have different strategies. You might have different ideas. You might come from a different place in your thinking. Baby, don't give up on God. We want to provide an environment for you so you can be the best expression of yourself through God. God's working on you even when we don't recognize it. God's working through them even when we don't see it. God's working through them even when we don't understand how they're growing. But God is growing them into something that's different. When it's different, it's going to disturb something. It's going to disturb, disturb the atmosphere. It's going to disturb the ordinary way of thinking. Now, just think if Americans had rejected the apple seeds because they just weren't from here. <laughs> That's a double entendre. That works on many different levels. What, what if Americans rejected the apple seed because it wasn't from here? Then we wouldn't have benefited from the many ways that we use apples. But instead of rejecting something that's foreign that we don't understand, if we set the right conditions, God can cause that thing to grow. Oh, somebody put those hands together and give God some praise for that. Now, Psalm 126, and I'm finished says, those who sow in, in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Sometimes, I want you to understand something, sometimes your weeping is you literally just watering your own seed. Sometimes my tears, <laughs> my tears are helping to water my seed. And why, as long as my, my seed gets the right environment, it's in the right environment, it's going to continue to grow. The thing about a seed, though, is a seed, it begins to outgrow its environment. A seed can't stay in the place where it is. That seed is going to begin to grow. And while I'm watering it with my tears, that seed begins to sprout. I told you the roots come out first and then the shoot comes out of the top of the ground and begins to come forth out of the ground. But for it to come out of the, the ground... It has to disturb where it is. And some of you right now, the reason you're uncomfortable is because you're growing out of the space that you've been confined to. Oh, let me say that again. Some of you are uncomfortable in the space that you're in because you're beginning to grow out of the environment that you've been confined to. Some of you are, are, are growing out of some old relationships and it's a little weird and it's a little strange and, and it's a little uncomfortable because the problem is you don't fit where you used to fit. Come on now. You don't fit where you used to fit. That's why the baby can't go back to the womb. Come on, mothers. Because when it comes forth, you don't even fit where you used to fit. And see, some of you all have grown, and you, but yet you're in a small space in that relationship. You're in a small space on that job. And because you've grown a little bit, what used to be okay and what used to be comfortable is no longer comfortable because you don't fit where you are. Somebody say, it's gotten small here. It's gotten, 
it's gotten, it's gotten small here. And the real truth about it is the place didn't get small. You got bigger. Have you ever gone back to your old high school or your old middle school? And I, I went back and I looked. I was like, it used to feel bigger in here. But it didn't, got, it didn't get smaller. I got bigger. And, and some of you, I, I'm trying to explain and let you understand, is that you're in an uncomfortable place because you're trying to remain in a place that is too small from where you have grown. And so when I leave, it's not personal. It's just I can't breathe here. <laughs> I, I, I'm too stuffed. I, I'm too cramped into this space. And I'm leaving because I need to stretch my legs. It's like when you've been in a, on a long flight or you've been in the car too long. You need to step out. You need to open the door and stretch out your legs because that place is too small for you. And I'm calling somebody out of that right now because it might not be comfortable for you. And sometimes God is calling us to the uncomfortable because it takes, when you grow, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Have you ever had your child go through growing pains? And the doctor said, they're all right, they're fine, they're just growing. And sometimes growing can be uncomfortable and it causes you to move from spaces that were always comfortable for you before. And the problem is sometimes your mind is the last thing to recognize that you've grown. So that's why the eagle has to disturb the nest. It tells the little, the little babies who were comfortable, who were used to the worm getting put in their mouth, and then all of a sudden the mother stops putting the worm in their mouth because they're saying, you're too grown for that. And the mother begins to prickle the nest a little bit. She begins to remove some of the comfortable, comfortable vegetation that kept them comfortable in the nest. And the, and the eaglet begins to say, I, I used to be able to lay over here, but, but now it's no longer comfortable to lay over here. Uh, what, what mama's trying to tell you is that you've grown out of that place where you've been and it's getting too small for you right here. And then at some point, the mother is going to start booting the, the eaglet out, out, out of the nest. And you'll be like, hold on, mama. Why, why are you pushing me right now? I, I got some mothers who are here right there right now. You, you, you're pushing me. I, I, I want to stay in this comfortable spot. But, 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 but you're pushing me out of the nest. And it's not comfortable the way you're pushing. In fact, mama, I don't know who you are right now. You're acting kind of funny to me. Why are you pushing me out of the nest? But the mother knows if I don't push them... And make them uncomfortable, then they'll never fly. If I don't push them out of this small space, they'll stay right there and grow up, and the nest won't be big enough for the both of us because it's getting big, and they'll stay in the small place as long as it's comfortable. And somebody right now, you're experiencing an uncomfortable situation, and what God is trying to tell you is I'm making you uncomfortable so that you'll come out of the nest gotten too big for where you are right now and I, I'm letting you know the reason I'm pushing you the reason it's a little prickly the reason the, the worm is not being dropped in your mouth is because I need you to move out of the nest I need you to go out on your own because as long as you stay in the nest you'll never spread your wings and I came to tell somebody today it's uncomfortable where you are right now because you've never spread your wings but God's putting you in a 
situation where you're going to have to fly. And when the eagle gets pushed, it begins to being pushed out of the nest. It's pushed out over the limb. And as it begins to experience falling, the eagle begins to flap its little wings. And as it begins to flap its wings, it begins to understand that I can fly. I don't have to go back. Come on in here with me now. I don't have to go back to where I was because I've learned. Somebody say I've learned. I've learned that I can fly. And I came to tell somebody when you're in the uncomfortable place, God's going to cause you to understand. I don't need the nest anymore. But if I flap my wing, can fly out of this situation, but they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength, they shall mount up, I got kicked out of the nest, but I'm going to mount up, my mama's acting funny now, but I'm going to mount up, I'm in an uncomfortable place, but I'm about to mount up, with wings, as an eagle, I'm going to ride and not get weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Everyone standing on your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes our uncomfortable place is a design of God to push us out into where he desires us to be. And mothers, I want to tell you this too. At some point, mothers, you did your job. You did your job. I'm trying to help somebody. This At some point, mothers, you did your job. You pushed them out. They know they have wings. But at this point, if they don't fly, it's not because you didn't teach them. It's not because you didn't nurture them. It's not because you didn't set the environment. But you did your duty. You did your job. You created the environment. And when you push them out, they're going to have to learn to fly. They're going to have to learn to use their own wings. Because the worst thing you can do is bring them back into the nest and make them forget how to use their wings. Come on with me now. The worst thing you can do for that child is bring them back in the nest and cause them to forget that they have wings. You all remember the story of the eagle that was raised with the chickens? <laughs> and the ornithologist came out and taught him. He said, man, that's not a chicken, that's an eagle. At some point, you're going to have to push that eagle out so that it can learn that it can fly. Somebody right now, I'm just telling you, you're in an uncomfortable place because God has pushed you out. And he didn't push you out so that you'd fall. He pushed you out so that you fly. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for helping us to grow, helping us to understand the concepts of seed time and harvest. Lord, we thank you today, even on this Mother's Day. This special day where we celebrate the nurturers in our lives. Lord, we ask for a special blessing upon them. 
touch them and encourage their heart wherever they are. Strengthen them that they may continue to do your will and to serve your purpose. And Lord, as we go forward, let us understand that our uncomfortability sometimes is a sign of growth. That we're remaining in a small place that we're not intended to stay. Help us, Lord, by faith to take that leap, to take that step of faith. And understand that when we begin to flap our wings in faith, that we truly can fly with your strength and with your purpose. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And God bless you. For those of you who have been watching online, we pray that you live by faith and expectation until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.